Hello, welcome to MySpot Talks. I'm Chetan Shah, hosting a series of podcasts for the global events industry. In this week's episode, MySpot talks to industry voices with a special focus on incentive and luxury. We are joined by SiteGB, who take us through the Incentive Travel Index and give us the interim results. Elliot Grant, I'm Director of Events Agency Blackbook and President of SiteGB. We've made it through lockdown 2.0, Christmas is coming and we're less than a month away from putting the year 2020 behind us. We've also had the news today that the UK is the first country in the world to approve a max vaccine for rollout as early as next week. Having just returned from a site inspection in Dubai myself, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's feeling increasingly more positive. And with today's vaccine news, we and our clients can finally start to make plans for the future. But this is how we're feeling in the UK. What we have today is results from a worldwide incentive survey, which sheds light on the future of incentives from a global viewpoint. The results aren't published for another week, but we're lucky enough today to be joined by Pori Gilligan, Chief Marketing Officer for Site Global, who's going to talk us through some of the key analysis on that survey. Following that, we'll be welcoming a panel of experts who will be answering your questions on the topics raised and any other you may have about the return of incentives. So throughout the next 15 to 20 minutes, please add any questions you have into the chat box on the right-hand side of the Hopin portal, and I'll do my best to ask as many of them as possible. So without further ado, let me hand over the stage to Pori Gilligan. Thanks very much, Elias. Uh, thrilled to be here and thrilled to have an opportunity to uh, give an update to this August audience on uh, the results of a really important survey. It's a uh, survey that takes place every year. It's conducted jointly by site, by financial and uh, insurance conference professionals, and by the Incentive Research Foundation. And um, I just go directly into some of the, um, the demographics, because I think it's a good place to start. But of course, it would be remiss of me not to start also by thanking Abu Dhabi, Accor, and IMEX Group, and especially Destination Canada, for their very, very generous support in helping us to make this survey possible. So thanks to all of you. Um, in terms of the, the demographics here, what we're talking about, um, we got a very, very good response overall. We just under 3,000 submissions from 41 source markets and from 91 destinations. So we're defining a source market as a market that sends incentive travel to other countries and a destination then as um, a location that hosts typically an incentive travel experience. And then some countries are obviously both source markets and destinations, um, the UK being a, a prime example of that. Um, importantly, we've got data from 19 different industry verticals, um, finance and insurance, automotive, pharma, IT, and direct selling being the top five. But we do have data from a total of 19 different industry verticals, which gives a really, really good survey uh, of all of those uh, key industries that are big users of incentive travel. Um, good geographical uh, representation as well. We have um, North America about 43%, so less than half of the entire survey uh, is based on North American data, meaning that 57% uh, is from the rest of the world. 
uh, Europe at 34%, Latin America at 9 and Asia at 14. So certainly the most um, globally representative survey that uh, we've, we've conducted to date, particularly with the kind of numbers that we're talking about, which was just under 3,000. So let's get into uh, some of the results. And I'm really looking forward to uh, interacting with the panel afterwards uh, to get the insights locally from the DMC sector, from the agency sector, on what we're seeing here from a global perspective. And the first slide up here is, it's an aggregate picture. So this is all of the respondents on the globe, what they're telling us in relation to the impact of COVID-19 on the, their businesses, on the incentive travel industry. And uh, what we're seeing in general, without going into the individual line items, we're seeing that the impact is mainly temporary. It's mainly focused around cost cutting, but interestingly, it's also about developing new skills, new revenue streams, achieving better work-life balance. So overall, it's not a doom and gloom story. And this is even before the good news that we've been receiving over the last couple of days, today being probably the best news for a long, long time. But even without all that good news, as the year was unfolding, individual businesses were certainly hurting but they were also finding opportunity in the crisis. And I think that's kind of very telling in relation to the type of industry that we are. What I'd like to do now is just take a look in particular at, um, and it's coming up on the next slide, on, on the situation in the, um, in the UK. But I want to kind of leave this slide with that final kind of point in relation to the number of businesses that actually closed as a result of COVID-19 at 7%. It's the single lowest line item in this hierarchy of impacts that we have on the slide. So, you know, not, not, not terrible news overall. If we go to the UK, and uh, we have an end count in the UK of 91, so that's about 91 different businesses in the United Kingdom responded to this particular survey. And the first thing I'll highlight here is the, uh, is, is, is the circled entity at the end, which is the equivalent for the UK of what I've just talked about. So 7% of businesses um, globally have closed as a result of uh, the impact of COVID. That's 4% in the UK. So that already gives a kind of an indication of how the global picture and then the national picture and the regional picture is actually quite different. Um, I'm picking out a, a number of different elements on this particular slide, and I've marked them as being passive or active. And I'd be really interested in the input from the panel when we have an opportunity to just reflect on this. Because in terms of kind of passive, and you can see the passive impacts are at the top. So, COVID came to town, what way did we react? Well, we could react actively or passively. What I'm seeing here in the UK data is that predominantly the reaction is a passive reaction. So we furloughed or laid off staff, we reduced budgets, we reduced company hours, salaries or benefits. As opposed to we intensified digital and virtual marketing, 
or we explored new revenue streams, or we focused on learning and development, or we focused on achieving a better work-life balance. So I'm wondering here whether the entrepreneurial spirit that we see in other nations and regions, um, I'm wondering if that's present in the UK to the same extent. And I'm wondering if the actual incidence, the high incidence of government supports available in the UK might be a reason why there hasn't been the same active kind of, let's say, positive reaction um, in terms of just the overall impact. So I'll, I'll park that one for the moment. But like my, my point here is how did UK agencies, DMCs, hotels, how did they react? Was it passively? Let this happen and let's kind of make cuts. Or was it proactively? Let's see how we can turn this crisis into an opportunity. Okay, next slide up. Um, when it comes to recovery, this slide here is showing recovery in a number of different regions and nations. So the blue color is showing the aggregate kind of picture for all of the different regions in the world. The orange is the US. The gray is the EU and the yellow then is Canada. So you can see from this that on aggregate by 2023, all regions are forecasting recovery. However, that's even more pronounced in the US. They're achieving 116% of the 2019 figures already by 2023. That's not the case in the, in, in, in the EU, and it's not the case in Canada. Let's see what it's like for, the, uh, for, the, for Great Britain. So in the UK, first of all, the impact in the current year was much more severe, according to our figures here. So UK businesses typically lost about 84% of incentive travel activity in 2020. What they're predicting is that it'll be at 49% in 2021, in 86% in 2022. Now, as you can see in each case, the UK picture or sentiment is inferior or worse than the average and worse than the, the, the EU. That improves by 2023, however, and the UK is at 102 so it's projecting that it'll be back to 2019 figures and two percentage points more than that by 2023. Now, obviously, the question would be, if we took that survey now, would it be the same? Would we get a different kind of outcome? And uh, I suspect we would, given the, uh, the good news that we've been uh, receiving. Here's a great slide for the DMCs. So most DMCs in Europe know that the really, really good business consistently comes from North American buyers. So the North American companies that have a long tradition of using incentive travel and know how brilliantly it works are typically the ones that bring the most lucrative, uh, the most interesting, the most creative programs uh, outside of North America to, to Europe and to, and to other regions. This is the picture for the last three years. So in 2018, uh, North American buyers, uh, and I should preface this by saying that it's not surprising. Most regional business stays within the region from which it's actually contracted. So for Europe, the number one location is Europe. 
for the United States, it's the United States. But look at the way things have changed over the last kind of three years. In 2018, US was first followed by Caribbean and Mexico. In 19, so this time last year, we were telling a story to you, to uh, European and, 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 and British DMCs that they should look forward to lots of business coming from North America because Western Europe was in the second position in terms of intention to place business. Unfortunately, COVID has changed all that. We're now, Western Europe is now in ninth position. And look at the destinations that North Americans are favoring in this kind of COVID world that we live in. Canada, Hawaii, Caribbean, Mexico, Alaska, they're all beside the United States. And they all involve a lot less travel. They're all a lot easier to get to, but there are other characteristics which we'll talk about in a few minutes. I want to look now at the story for UK buyers. So if you're on this call and you are a DMC in Turkey, hi Edda, if you're online. If you're a DMC in Ireland, hi all my friends in Ireland, if you're online. Unfortunately, we've got a small N count, only 24, but we still have great data. Uh, so this is where UK buyers are saying that they're going to be looking to place business. And again, we have the historical picture from 18, 19, and 20. Look at 20. Uh, Western Europe, not surprising. The Caribbean coming in in second place. The Gulf states, so Abu Dhabi, Dubai. Canada coming in after that. Then Southeast Asia. Then emerging Europe. But look at the situation as it was in 2019. The United States was in first position this time last year. The United States has dropped completely off the chart completely. And it's actually in number 15th position for UK buyers. So what we're seeing here, what we saw in the previous slide and what we're seeing here is a definite kind of closer to home selection when it comes to destination choice. But also not only that, we're also seeing a choice based on the perception of safety. So countries that are perceived to have dealt effectively and efficiently with COVID are actually doing very well in the rankings. Into kind of program design and inclusions, and I think this is a really, really telling slide in relation to this whole kind of zeitgeist or the new spirit of the age that's now prevailing for planners of incentive travel. So in 2019, the key success factors with a, an incentive travel experience were we need cultural experiences, we need group dining experiences and team building experiences, and we need a little touch of luxury or those bucket list once in a lifetime things. They were the kind of the key ingredients. Group dining and team building, obviously very much in fulfillment of corporate objectives. Corporations are obviously sponsoring these trips. They want the trips to build relationships between officers and qualifiers. They want connections to be made. They want relationships to be strengthened. They want culture, uh, workplace culture and, uh, and values to be reinforced and so on. So you can do that through group dining and team building. Very purposeful elements that are inserted into program design from the 2019 perspective. In 2020, it's all changed. Number one, we've got luxury. 
bucket list experiences. So when I can't travel, what do I want more than anything else? That's when I want to be in a hot air balloon in Turkey, doing something that I could never imagine myself doing in my life. That's when I want to be at Machu Picchu. It's when I want to be on the Great Wall of China. It's when I want these luxury experiences, the pure intrinsic joy of travel. I still want cultural experiences, but look at number three, CSR is creeping in. So while on the one hand, there's a refocus on the intrinsic joy of travel, travel with no strings attached, there's also travel with a conscience. So as a result of this reset that has happened because of COVID, we're more mindful, we're more purposeful about the travel that we do, the impact that it has, and we're more desirous that that would be a positive thing. And finally, then wellness, obviously, don't need to emphasize that too much. Incentive travel is all about restoring. It's all about the restorative power of travel as well, of being in new destinations and taking me time, taking time out to, um, to allow yourself to experience the, uh, the, the, the destination in a new way. In terms of you know, how program characteristics are, are, are shifting, there's a very, very busy slide here, which I'll make a little bit easier for you by highlighting the following characteristics as being the new incentive travel 2.0. So participant safety coming out in number one position, but very, very closely behind that, the perception of destination safety. The DMCs on this call will be thrilled to hear that the third shift in relation to program characteristics is all around the importance of the DMC in the whole channel. And, and that's really a novelty. We had seen prior to this a kind of a disintermediation setting in where the DMC sometimes was actually not used, but the planner was buying directly in the destination. That's changing now because planners are obviously realizing that DMCs are the ones who are vested in that location, who know that location better than anybody else, and who therefore can provide all of the safety reassurance that's going to be needed. Domestic, we've already talked about that. Value for money is always there. Shorter distance, and then mountain locations. If we were to look at the very, very end of the list, at, at, at those elements that are really not in vogue at the moment. Sadly, we would see that the cruise industry is down there. This is not a good time for the cruise industry. We would also see, however, that urban destinations in general are down towards the end of the list. That these days we're looking for remote, we're looking for outdoors, we're looking for fresh air, we're looking for all of those um, other characteristics, let's say, that might be continuous with how we understand safety. So just to kind of summarize it, and then I'm really looking forward to hearing how the panel reacts to this uh, short presentation, but there is global alignment in this, um, in this survey around the fact that incentive travel will recover. I didn't show that slide to you, but it's overwhelming. There's no question, but it will recover. It's not if, it's only when, and it's different in different regions. There's alignment around recovery, but divergence around what the recovery will look like. There's a focus on the intrinsic joy of travel experiences. Destinations perceived to have dealt well with COVID-19 will recover quicker than others. 
the D and C evolution continues apace. And there's good news for DMCs because they're seen as the ones who can provide that kind of guarantee around that crucial thing about safety in a destination. And the future is all about that very thing. It's about safety, domestic and regional destinations. So that's all I wanted to say. I hope I've uh, uh, said it quickly enough to allow lots of time for, for discussion. Uh, so back, back to you, Elliot. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Porik. Lots to think about there and lots to discuss. Um, thank you for the questions so far. I'm going to keep an eye on them uh, over the next half hour or so, and we'll get through as many as we can. Um, right, let me introduce you to our esteemed panel coming to you live today from the MiceBook studio. Kate Benzine, Business Development Manager for Spectra, one of the leading DMCs in the UK focused on incoming incentive business. Caroline Wiseman, Managing Director of Eventful, a leading venue sourcing and event management company based in London. And Graham Alderman, Managing Director of Ulterior Events, a boutique incentive agency that has run trips to over 90 destinations around the world. And of course, we've still got Porig with us, uh, whose day job is running a strategy and marketing agency for the mice industry called Sul Nua. Welcome, everyone. Um, I'm going to kick us off with a quick question which has popped up, Porig. Could you just give us a quick lowdown on when the survey was done, how many people responded to it, um, and give a little bit of a background to the data? Sure, of course. So the survey was conducted this year between the end, I think we went into the field at the end of August and we came out about the middle of October. So it was about a six to seven week fielding period uh, in quarter three, quarter four. So quite recent, uh, we had just under 3000 respondents. So I think it was 2,888 and um, they came 43% from the United States and then 57% from the rest of the world, but I think about 34% coming from, from Europe. We're slightly disappointed uh, with our response from the, from the UK. Uh, we tried very hard. Uh, we were really looking for that 100 plus. We got 91 thanks to a lot of the people on this panel who helped us, but um, for future years, we're hoping we can get an even more um, stronger response from the UK because Data is really so important. It helps us to kind of to build out those roadmaps that we need for the future. And I think, I, I hope you agree that uh, there's a, a picture emerging from this data that is very, very useful in terms of building that roadmap. We'll do better next year, my friends, don't worry. <laughs> um, right, I'm going to um, open a question for the panel. I'll start with Graham. Um, the question on everyone's lips, with the news of the UK being the first country uh, in the world to roll out a vaccine, how is this going to affect our industry in the short term? Uh, and what's your message going to be to your clients? I think the, the really short term is just the euphoria that goes with um, salvation and something that gives us all um, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, just Brian Brian's shines brighter. <laughs> today uh, than it has done for months. So I think that for an industry, there's layers of confidence, um, both in our country and, and around the world. And I think that this has allowed us as an industry to, to feel positive and be able to take that first layer of positivity forward. We know there's a long way to go. We're not silly. We don't expect it all to open up tomorrow. But what we can do with this is, 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 is as suppliers, DMCs, clients start building on conversations that are positive, not, not the last eight months of negativity. Look forward, 
And I think with our clients, again, we're all in the same boat. We all know what's going on. And, and we as an industry need to then take that positivity and, and build on it with our, the countries we work with um, and then sit with our clients and take that forward and, and, and get the trust back that group travel, incentive travel is a viable option. And this is the first true foundation today that we as a country and we as an industry can start that conversation. Caroline, anything to add? I uh, completely agree. It's just such positive news today. I think um, now there's a, a true light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and for us to, to begin those conversations with clients and, and real conversations now, real planning, um, I think is going to start, you know, those strategy meetings are, are going to truly start now, which is, which is really positive. But I think for our industry, there's been such a time of collaboration, I think, in the last nine months. And moving forward, I see that continuing. We're, we're, we're quite a unique industry, the events industry, and quite a unique ecosystem, aren't we, in, in ourselves. So I think it will, it's going to be a, a great time to move forward collaboratively as well and, and help each other really re-enter the live events. I think we're tighter space. as an industry we are, than we ever have sure. been. Yeah, if we could be any tighter. <laughs> yeah, I think it has. I think it's, it's extraordinary the way that there's the support's out there. And this, this sort of news today is... Is industry wide, yeah, for which, is, sure. which is wonderful. And actually, just to pick up on something that Graham said about co confidence and comfort, that's going to be key in in, in um, getting in the individuals who are travelling back into the game and and, and wanting to move yeah. around the world. You know, so um, seeing that vaccines are out there and starting to be rolled out is a first step in rebuilding that confidence and comfort level because until someone feels comfortable and confident in doing something, traveling somewhere, you know, people won't, won't move around. And in a group. And in, and a, in a group, group yeah. Um, Porig, uh, looming behind us here. Um, <laughs> from a global point of view, from, a, from, so from your role uh, uh, as a site global um, uh, member of staff, how, are you, how is the world seeing this change in in situation in the UK? Well, I think it's, it's, it's game changing. Um, you know, it's, it's what we've been hoping for, praying for, for so long. Um, we didn't quite believe, I think, that it might happen by before the end of the year. Mm. Uh, but, but we now know it has happened. And uh, once, once it's been approved by a nation like the UK, I think there's a huge comfort that goes with that for other nations who are looking on. Um, you know, to, to realise that soon it will be approved by their governments as well. And, um, you know, we will have a vaccination programme that, that, that will be implemented. Uh, I, I think it's hugely significant. Like the, the, the research shows two things. It, it shows that there is an extraordinary pent up demand to travel again. It's, it's, it's the single biggest element that's going to kind of you know get our industry up and running again however until now it's been kind of counterbalanced by a residual fear you know so on the one hand i absolutely want to travel and then on the other hand there's this kind of niggling fear that maybe it might be safe to do so and certainly over the last little while from any of the panels that i've participated in what, what was always coming across, particularly from the corporate buyers, was this kind of fear around the idea that they didn't want to make any kind of decisions that would in some way put their 
qualifiers, their employees in danger by running a trip. Mm -hmm. And I think the only thing that's going to take that fear away is what we now have done today, which is we have started a vaccination program that's you know, off the charts in terms of the reported kind of uh, levels of success, like in the 90%, it's, it's, it's really quite miraculous uh, that we have those levels of, of success with it. But um, I think it's hugely significant and I think it's going to ripple through our industry very, very fast and create a different sentiment. Um, uh, such that I think if we were to take, ask the same questions that we asked in that, in that survey, which were asked as recently as kind of six weeks ago, if we were to ask them today, we'd get a different answer. And that's exactly it, though, isn't it? That, that, that things change so quickly and have been over, you know, the number of months that, that, that we've been in this situation. So. Um, so let's talk about perception for a second. Um, and I'll come to you first, Graham. Uh, how do you think this vaccination or the, or the news that this vaccination is here is going to change the perception of individuals? which is going to give a client the confidence that they can start booking trips again and people are going to want to go? Well, I think we all understand that that the the one thing that's been troubling about the last eight months, apart from the obvious, is the fact that every country has been on a different um, level of dealing with the the pandemic and and, and the results. And and so, so it's been a global pandemic, but it's been handled locally, for want of a better phrase. So... For us as an industry, the vaccine is extraordinarily good news, as we know, and we've discussed that already. But I think the perception is now how other countries roll out the vaccine, because what we're doing is, is, is taking, obviously, from, from a DM side inbound, it's a different, it's, it's great. From your side, it's, it's, it's huge, because it's basically saying, with the vaccine, our country gets safer and safer by the day, come to us, fantastic and delighted for you. From our side as, as outbound um, agencies, it's, it's about the perception in different countries. And I think it's, it's what's important after today's great news for us is that hopefully that great news continues around the world because these vaccines are coming out at a, an, an extraordinary speed, um, which is fantastic. The money that's been thrown at them, uh, rightly so. But we need the other countries to, to approve the vaccine. We need the other countries that, that we take groups to to become safe uh, or perceptively safe from our clients because that's what we do we can be fantastically safe here and suggest a country that hasn't got a vaccine yet and a client's going to go no thank you so i think that's our our desire now as an industry is for this this good news to carry on and that has to carry on through the other countries that we go to because that's that's where the perception changes um, Caroline, you've, you, you have two hats. You, have, uh, you run international incentives. You're also a champion of UK incentives. How is today's news going to impact either of those? Um, does it impact either of those? Have you seen an increase in, in UK incentive demand? Do you think that's going to carry on? I think it is. I think that's, that's going to be a new business model potentially with us for, for some time. And I hope that continues with sustainability being at the forefront, I think, now of um, a lot of our minds. I think domestic incentives for UK-based corporates is going to be a, a, a new thing, which is wonderful. Um, I think that's also going to be great for the local hotel market and the events industry as a whole. Um, for agencies like ourselves at Eventful, I mean, we have a wonderful business mix of 50%. It's pretty much 50-50 domestic 
business and 50% outbound international. So um, I hope there are a lot more agencies out there that have a mix like that because I think today is going to be good news for them. I think for agencies who mainly focus on outbound, it's still going to be a, a long wait. Um, so, but at least there's light at the end of the tunnel, which is wonderful. But I think a lot of agencies have innovated during this time and have started to change you know, the, the conversations they're having with their clients. Um, and clients are beginning to, to really shift their perspective on their events programs. So I think there's a, a lot of new energy um, in the marketplace, which is only exciting, I think. I think, if I may, sorry, when, when uh, early on in, in the proceedings, April, May, June, my team and I, as everybody did, looked at, well, hopefully this is all over next month, and it wasn't, it wasn't, but we focused on the UK side, the, the, the if I can, the Glen Eagles of this world and places like that, and yeah. then suddenly it all dawned on us that actually it's no different to going overseas in the sense that the, the everything was had the same sort of lack of clarity and, and, and hope in our, and I think you're quite right, I think that that is, is, is huge now for, for, for the next sort of six months and even in obviously from inbound but also as UK agencies is if a client says I'd want to go somewhere next May guaranteed a country inbound we've got places here that are safe and secure and that, that is yes. huge and I agree yes. with you 100%. And a country full of incredible Kate smiling. Yes. <laughs> Destinations. <laughs> Destinations. Right? Of course. To Kate who your business's incoming incentives. Is this good yeah. news for you because it's going to give people confidence to come to the UK? Yeah. Or is it bad news because it's going to give us the confidence to go overseas? <laughs> no, actually, well, it would be interesting, as Parikh said earlier, to if the question was asked of, 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 of the participants again, what their answers would be. I mean, the perception that the UK is a safe, is becoming a safe destination because of the vaccine is, yeah. is only good news. I mean, we've, it also, gives us an opportunity to celebrate the UK in its entirety, you know, so some of the um, destinations that perhaps incentive groups might not have considered in the past may now consider. So being, whether that's countryside programmes or um, out moving, moving out of cities, um, which also potentially, I well, touches on some of that wellness section, you know, and, and that desire to have um, a real break. Uh, so if you bring an incentive group to uh, a countryside destination, you're, you're breaking that everyday norm um, and experiencing some, something different. So um, I think it's, it's, it's a positive. It's great news for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Porig touched on when he was talking about the UK and, and the US, how people, when they're going to start to travel again, they're not going to go too far away. Do you think the UK will have the same reaction as the United States, where short-haul trips will be favoured for a while, uh, as the perception is the closer to home, the shorter the flight, the safer it is? I'm going to go to Porig first, who's just over the water in Ireland. <laughs> Are you expecting an uplift in, in, in incentive business coming to Ireland? I know what your answer's going to be, but I'm going to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've been on our knees praying for that for the last eight months. Um, we're, we're worn out praying about that. Uh, I think, yeah, I think it's good news for it's good news for for Ireland. Ireland is a strong incentive destination. Um, we we would be a tier one destination in Europe for North American buyers, and um, we we may have struggled a little bit in terms of being regarded as a, an incentive destination for perhaps nearer neighbours like our nearest neighbour, the UK, uh, France. 
Germany, Italy, and so on. But I, I think there's a real opportunity for us to, um, I suppose, to get onto that kind of uh, domestic and, and, and regional advantage and uh, really showcase Ireland as an incentive destination for those nearer locations. The, 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 the serious problem that we have, obviously, is that we're, a, we're, we're an island, so you have to actually get on a plane to, to come to Ireland, and, and that will remain um, obviously an issue uh, until we have you know, a, a widespread vaccination program. Um, you know, destinations within Europe, uh, like France and Italy and Germany itself, will, I think, take advantage of, of trains and uh, uh, automobiles as opposed to trains, planes and automobiles to actually kind of use those nearby destinations that do offer uh, really, really good uh, incentive products, uh, but are accessible without having to get into a plane. But I think, I mean, the, the overall thing, Elliot, is I think what we've realized today and why today is so, so much a watershed day is that, you know, it seemed at a certain stage that this thing would just never end. You know, now we have a line in the sand. We have a vaccination. The program is starting already. And that is changing perception. Um, you, you, you know, we're hearing it on, on, on our airways already in terms of the way people are talking because there, there is a vaccine that's actually uh, in the UK and uh, is, is, is being implemented. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's, the, that's the new story and that's the game changing thing. Uh, Graham, you've taken incentive trips over the last 30 years to 94 different destinations. Yes. Are you going to be telling your clients, be careful, let's only go a short flight away or are you back to normal? Let's get out there, let's see the world. Uh, the, the answer is um, no, I'm not going to be saying just go short haul. I think that, I, I think that A, there's so much to see and still so much to see around the world. But I think it's that perception thing again. I think, I think the distance of the flight, um, I think is not going to be top of people's criteria. It's going to be what's at the other end of it. So I think if it's a two hour flight to a country that hasn't rolled out a vaccine or hasn't taken enough vaccine or an, a, a six, seven hour flight to, if I may, somewhere like Dubai at the moment, which the airlines have spent a huge amount of time and effort putting together um, wellness packages, the, the hotels, the destination. I don't think the flight time is going to be the thing that makes people's final decision. I think it will be what's at the other end of it. So mm. for me personally, if a client rang me up and said, where should I go? It's not going to be based on, well, I think we just stay within three hours. It's going to be about, based on what I know from my DMCs and from uh, the industry, I feel that these four fit. And it could be three hours, six hours, 11 hours to Cape Town if it fits the perceptions right, not just for the client, but for the group, as you alluded to earlier, it's about every individual having that same belief in where they're going. So for me personally, no, it will mm. be. Caroline, do you agree? I think for the next 12 months, we'll be focusing with our clients on more of the domestic market and short haul, for sure. Mm. Um, I think the rollout of the vaccine is going to take longer than everybody thinks. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be, it's going to go past Easter. I think Easter is also early next year. Um, for us, I think the focus is going to be domestic and, and short haul for now. I think 2022 is really where we're looking at for, for international incentives to return. We were talking earlier about the perception of destinations and how they've dealt with the pandemic and how that will impact people's decision making. Kate, do you feel like 
the way the UK has dealt with it has helped you with future business, with trips coming to the UK? Did it, had it hindered, but now with the vaccine, it's kind of, it's kind of canceled that problem? Or, or do you think that's kind of by the by and it, it's not going to be based on that? I mean, to be honest, throughout this whole what, nine months, we have been communicating with our clients with the positive messaging. Um, about about the UK and how you know how we're handling things. I mean, there were various there were various schemes, you know, like the good to go um, ticks that, that, that a number of that a number of people um, adhered to, and, and so there have been there's been a lot of posi- positive messaging throughout this vaccine. Only it reinforces it really. So um, you know the reactions that we've had from not only our clients but our, also our suppliers has, has has really been nothing but you know good strong positive reactions um which is very encouraging you know um and caroline was saying sort of 22 starting to starting to look good but i mean you know we have we we're, we're fortunate enough to have good business you know from from 21 yep. 22 mm. and 23 as well so um it's only I think we all hope it'll be earlier, of course, right? And I think yeah. if the vaccine comes through and, and the government manages to roll it out exceptionally well, this, this could be the autumn, right? Late summer, autumn, I think. And we're truly starting to see international travel again. But as, as, sorry, as, as Graham was saying, I think it depends on how those other countries do. And perhaps yeah. now we're going to be looking at destinations with our clients like we were looking at them Sorry to, to bring the topic up, but really in terms of terrorist threats, yeah. you know, a couple of years back, and, and now we're going to be looking at it from a safety perspective and how they've handled COVID. So, mm. I totally agree. I think it's, I think it's a, a, another layer of, of the decision process, and it's yeah. probably top of the, of, of, of the bar now. Yes. Um, so let's talk about the programmes themselves. Porik had a couple of sections on, on what's going to be important to people in the programmes, whether it's sightseeing, whether it's culture, whether it's CSR. Um, Graham, coming to you first. How has how has the pandemic affected what people are going to want from their programmes? What are you going to be going to your clients and selling? How are you going to change the way you put together an incentive programme? I think the um, for, from from our perspective, I, I think again it, this word perception comes up a lot um, in this conversation. But I think for us, it's about. Um, Seeing, obviously from the slides, CSR, well, I think wellness is a word that suddenly and should have been part of our psyche forever, but it mm-hmm. seems that wellness is, is this, we've all been watching some, obviously some terrible stories of people that have suffered. We're seeing some of the big corporates sending out wellness boxes and we see all this sort of huge new terminology has, has, has taken over. And I think that, I do agree that I think that that will come, come into the reckoning is the wellness side. For me, the wellness, though, is, is not always the same thing. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people, wellness might be yoga at 6 a.m. in the morning on the beach. For a lot of other companies who are doing a sales incentive, wellness might be just getting back with your colleagues, going back to an old-fashioned sales incentive, drinking till you fall over and going to bed. Now, I'm not saying what's right or wrong. I'm just saying that yeah. wellness and mental wellness comes in all different forms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have missed on out on a social life that was their wellness. And it's not to say that that that's equates to yoga and a smoothie. It's just saying that. So I think that when you're putting wellness in there as a bracket, I think that that, that has different conversations with clients. I think with CSR on there as well, I do think that is becoming more and more prevalent in every conversation we have. 
-hmm. especially when we very fortunate in our industry we go to these wonderful countries particularly the long haul and mid haul and long haul where we meet a huge amount of people that have got a life less fortunate than ours and we can do something to help we help by just going back uh, we alluded to pre pre going live that our industry as an industry is, is csr based because we're helping communities by putting money into them the more we help the local community in africa we've spoken about to places in india that that the, the, the the better for that society. So I think when you speak to clients about CSR, it, it's, it's, it's just important for everybody to understand that as an industry, the last nine months, we've left a lot of the world behind that, that, that rely on our industry and it'd be great to start putting that back in. But specifically, I think it's open to the client and us to talk about what they want. I think an incentive is what it always was, is what suits your audience. Yeah. Yes. Kate, are you doing anything different in terms of the programs you're putting together? Well, actually, we're seeing that, um, um, much as Graham had said, you know, that, that um, our clients of us are still really, really interested in seeing how we can um, positively impact the local area that, that we're in. So whether that's, um, you know, on a welcome evening, having sort of um, monetary value kind of tokens that they can then go and spend as their welcome gifts, but with all local suppliers, even that sort of thing really boosts people's, um, uh, I guess, you know, helps you uh, feel that you're doing, having a positive impact. Um, so that's been, that's been big. Um, and, and as Graham said, wellness can mean so, so many different, different things to different people. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that develops I think over the next next few months but as I said earlier you know wellness could could even be you know breaking out of that city tradition as a destination and going into the countryside and having time at leisure so yeah. um, um, Caroline we've had a comment from Paul Miller saying agencies agencies should also be contacting DMCs in the UK for domestic incentive programs yeah. I'm going to turn that on its head from your point of view as an agency should UK domestic DMCs and, and people across the water in Ireland, should they be coming to agencies and saying, is this their opportunity to say, look what we can provide, look what we can do, we're a drive away, we're a short yes. train journey away, we're a short flight away? Yes, I mean, essentially, as a UK-based agency, we act as a DMC to the local market. Um, we don't potentially fulfill all of the transportation elements, which, which you do so well, I think, with inbound um, groups. But for sure, there's got to be a, a, a lot of learning between the two, right? So we would be very open to, to working with domestic DMCs. And it's a huge opportunity, I think, moving forward globally, because I think there's going to be a lot of domestic travel all over the world now. Um, and we're all going to be looking at our own countries and our neighboring countries and thinking, well, how do we move about? And like you say, you know, maybe those... In fact, sorry, it was, it was Padre who said that um, we'll be looking at at destinations where we can travel to by train um, and by road. Um, and of course, we can get to some of those destinations, a lot of them in Europe. Um, but again, it's the safety side. You know, how, how have they performed over this period and how are they going to perform with the vaccine rollouts in their countries as well? So um, I think there's a great opportunity there to partner together with local DMCs and, and we should all be helping each other. But going back to what, um, what Graham was saying about helping those destinations that need our help. The UK also has had a massively impacted 
financial crisis due to COVID. So we also need to be looking at the UK and our own market um, and and helping ourselves too. Sorry, Graham. But no, no, I agree. I, 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 I support I our own local economy. Purely my mindset is always that way. Of but course, I, but yeah. I, and, and not deliberately ignoring what's here. I totally agree. I think yes. that the, the, in our industry, it's it's very easy to see the headlines of the, the big agencies and, and and how they've suffered, or uh, and, and, and as we all have. But it's 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 right down the, whether it's in in Africa or whether it's in the UK. There's there's tour guides that haven't been uh, guiding. There's bus drivers. There's, there's 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 coach drivers. There's all these people that rely on our industry to just to feed their family. That's true. Just to pay their mortgage, and whether that's in here in here or in the UK or Zambia or wherever it is. Yes. The the our industry is is, is uh, the last nine months has affected so many people on so many levels that it will just be a joy to to start st start this industry again. Yes. Where we support these people who we call on instant we want people to do something now or can you do an extra half an hour can yep. you stay an extra hour we, we when 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 it's buzzing these people are our lifelines they're the coach drivers say don't worry i'll wait another half an hour they're the people and then suddenly they're not working so it'll be wonderful in the uk and overseas to be able to go right the industry's back and let's get people back yeah. doing what they do well and, and getting money in their pocket um Porik, i'm going to put you on the spot for a second um could you uh, off the top of your head or if, you, if you've got it to hand, give us the stats again about uh, the amount of agencies who have gone and the amount of agencies or the percentage of people who made use of government spending. I remember there was quite a big stat about that. Um, I've got a question about it. I just wonder if you could remind everyone of the data. Sure. So the, the aggregate figure, Elliot, for, for all kind of uh, respondents in the world was 7%. And the figure specifically for the UK was 4%, so significantly fewer in the UK than elsewhere. When it came then to benefiting from government supports, and I can't give, give you the exact uh, figures because I can't remember them, but I know that the, the trend. Um, in, in the US, it was very, very low in terms of the incidence of gov government supports, but very, very high in relation to, let's say, proactive business-focused activities that those agencies were taking. So switching maybe into non-travel rewards, yeah. um, switching into digital, uh, looking at other kind of uh, positive ways of, of continuing on. In the UK, a high incidence of availing of government supports, but a low incidence of, let's say, those proactive kind of um, revenue generating kind of initiatives that might come from, let's call it a, an entrepreneurial approach or an entrepreneurial spirit. Brilliant. So less evidence of entrepreneurship in the UK when compared say with the US. Okay, so to you guys, many companies have used the pandemic to evolve their business uh, and some have actually seemed to have found their niche in the communications and, uh, sorry, the virtual communications and events sector. Others, as Pori just said, uh, have been smart with government support, held their ground as far as their core competencies are concerned and are waiting for the industry to come back. Uh, let's come to you first, Graham. What's your take on this clear split of kind of where the industry's gone? I, I, well, I, I can speak for, 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 for us. We haven't, we haven't pivoted. Um, we, we're, we're an incentive agency. We have been for 30 years. It's what we do. And 
I, I just I just don't see a virtual incentive being the future personally um, there's some people out there have been shouting from the rooftops that it's virtual forever and hybrid forever personally it's I, 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 I don't buy into that um, and as a business we've spent a lot we've been busy we haven't furloughed we've just kept marketing our business kept looking at ideas um, and we're positioning ourselves for, for when it starts again um, and that's that's what we decided to do. A lot of businesses have, again, as you say, niche is a great word because I do think that that's potentially where this goes, but it's is a lot of people doing it very well. Um, a lot of people that have spent a lot of money on it and, and, and I hope for them that, that it all works out. I hope for us it all works out, um, but for us as a business, it, it sat with me comfortably to go, no, this is what we do. This is what we enjoy doing. And we'll, I don't like the word hang fire, but. We'll, we'll sit back, work hard, and be here when it starts again. Caroline? It's been a very interesting year for me personally. I actually um, sold my business in, in March. So Eventful was acquired by um, a communications group called Arima Communications, and they own our sister agency, Cheerful 21st. So from, it's been very interesting for me to, to watch two quite different agencies and, and how we've both adapted and... and weighted in, in certain ways from, from Eventful's perspective. We've had to sit back a little and wait um, to see how the situation has unfolded. But from our sister agency's perspective, they've adapted incredibly well. They're very busy with virtual events and hybrid events and so many inquiries coming in now for hybrid, especially as of this morning, I'm sure. Um, so it's been very interesting to see two quite quite different agencies and also how we've been able to collaborate together and, and cross over with our clients and, and their needs, predicting their needs and also then adapting our services. So um, I think pure incentive houses have, have probably been affected most out of everybody this year. Um, we're lucky to have at least got a, a great business mix of domestic and international um, and different types of services. So. It, it's been hard for everybody this year, hasn't it? I mean, whether you have pivoted, whether you haven't, whether you regret not changing, regret actually changing your, your, your way of doing business has been fascinating. But I think at the end of the day, as long as we're all going to make it through and survive and, and help each other, it's been, um, it's been tough, hasn't it? It's been okay. a ride. Has your, has your model had to adapt at all? Well, I think, I mean, let's, let's be honest, the, the hybrid and the virtual certainly work to drive business solutions for, for certain people in certain, in certain areas. But from what Park, what Park has presented today and what we're just seeing everywhere is a pent-up demand for that you know, live in-person incentive trip to, to come back. There is, there is that pent-up demand. And we keep saying it, we keep saying it, but there is. So with that knowledge, um, the power of incentives and the core of incentives with that in-person experience, live experience, will always be there, I, I think. And, and as a company, Spectra, you know, we have, we truly believe and are quite passionate about that. So, um, yes, we've provided our clients with a number of sort of, we've, we've developed a virtual fam trip um, with, a, with a supplier partner. We've done um, virtual site inspections and... Um, for want of a better phrase, virtual sales missions. But, you know, when it comes down to it, that 
the in-person live incentive program will will come back so that's you know where, where, where our focus is okay so final question to all of you I want all of you crystal balls short answers the general consensus from the survey is that it'll be 2023 before there's a full recovery given the news today obviously that was a few months ago given the news today and by full recovery I mean back to normal you can sell everything you can sell everywhere and clients are ready to buy when are we looking I think that's going to be much sooner than 2023. I mean, like I said, we, we're, we're seeing, um, you know, all, all being well, 20, end of 21 into 22. You know, I, I, 2022 is a strong, is thankfully a, a strong year for us. 21 is still, but 22 is, is when we're receiving, you know, live event inquiries for. So, Graham? I think um, that it all depends on how the world rolls out the vaccine because I think that determines when whether it's inbound or outbound there's a whole a whole sort of world waiting to be vaccinated and those countries and how they deal with it will determine that that end game so if the next three months these these relevant health health organizations in their own countries sign off whether it's Pfizer or Oxford or whoever their own uh, manufacturers, the sooner that happens, then that could be 2022, it could be early 22, it could be late 22, it could be early 23. I think that it's, it's just because we've had fantastic news today, which is wonderful. I think our, our future, our industry future, uh, and, and the recovery of it is the next couple of months is very important to see how the rest of the world moves forward because the conversations will be dependent on that. Um, so Crystal ball, end of 22, I think, that, that period, that after school holidays, that September, October, November incentive period, I think you could be talking from early 2022 or late 21 with utter confidence that that part, the, the, world's back the world is back open. But before then, there'll be lots of places open. Caroline? Hard to give a short answer because I think there, there are a few things we haven't had time to discuss, one, one of which is individual incentives, which I think really could take off in the next 12 months. Um, again, we have discussed domestic incentives and I think those options are out there for, for the short term. Um, I think the other thing we haven't had a chance to discuss is the fact that so many properties, so many hotels are offering amazing flexible terms and conditions yep. right now. So our clients should start planning and should start booking. And we've already seen that they, they are starting to. Um, we need those strategy meetings to, to, to start. And I think going back to what I was saying earlier, I think it, it could be as early as maybe autumn next year. Um, it all depends. I, I, think, I think if I may just to, to, to interject on the last point, that I think that those, that full recovery is a real difficult, the word full is, is, is a huge thing to answer. But as an industry, when can we be confident that we have an industry back, whether that's a third of the world's back open or half, whatever? I think that you're talking this side of the summer, May, June, you will have two or three, four, five, six, 30 countries that are yeah. sitting comfortably as a, as a vaccine's rolled out, we've rolled out, there's no quarantine, clients are happy, there'll be the Greek islands and places like that. So I think this side of the summer, there's a there's a part recovery. I think after school holidays there'll be another three or four months down the line there'll be a part recovery. So I don't think full recovery is is easy to predict. But I think as an industry we start recovering. Mm. I think in the, the end of the first half of, of next year we'll mm. be 
clients who are confident to take groups somewhere and that we as an industry will be confident to sell it. Okay. And that's really, I think, where your recovery starts. Um, Porig, let's finish on a positive note. Don't let me down. Uh, <laughs> I, th I think what, what, what everybody said is, is 100%. I, I would just add to it and look at what the corporations are doing. Uh, they're ultimately the, uh, the, the customers. Uh, in, in, in March, I think already uh, two or three of the big IT companies had already sort of decided that there was going to be no travel until summer of 2021. So I think that, that's one thing that we can actually take a lot of uh, direction from. I think we need to look at the airline industry, uh, and that's to Graham's point. I think we'll, we'll, we'll probably have domestic and regional recovery quite quickly, particularly in the, in the context of today's great news. But I think before we get back to kind of transcontinental travel, um, you know, before we're going to, I don't know, New Zealand and Thailand and, and stuff like that, we've got to have planes in the air, and that's going to be probably slower than we think. Uh, a huge amount of, um, of routes have been kind of discontinued just as a result of there being no business and it takes time for them to be reestablished. But I think the, the core thing is that, you know, the survey said very clearly incentive travel is still something that the corporate world absolutely believes in. That hasn't changed. And I think what, what has changed is today's good news just means that it will start in whatever form and to, to Graham's point, in whatever form it can, much quicker than we perhaps imagined heretofore. Brilliant. Um, that's it from us. A huge thank you to Kate, Graham, Caroline, uh, and Porig over in Dublin for talking us through the survey. It's been great, guys. Thank you very much. Um, and I'll hand you back to Chet. Thank you. Thank you, Elliot. Uh, thank you to the site, GB Board, and to Porig for you know, giving that early insight to the site index. That's really been quite quite amazing to have that uh, data um, and that insight. So thank you to you guys. Obviously, our, our poll wasn't as big as that survey, but let me give you some quick headlines. 60% of people have got booking inquiries. 50% are looking at Q3. 40%, surprisingly, are looking at the highest number, looking at Europe rather than just domestic. Um, 21 to 50 packs is the most popular kind of uh, attendee amount and 70% are quietly confident these events will go ahead. So then some pretty positive data there. Um, so yeah, once again, thank you to Site for this last session that we just had. Thank you for the session moderated about the language of luxury. Thank you to Strata Creative who put on the case study, first of all, when we started today. I'd love to thank the audience for joining us today. I hope you got some good insight and some positivity out of it. Especially thanks to our expo partners this morning. Thank you all for your support. Um, I'd like to give a big round of applause to the OnLive team and all the production guys, Alex, Amanda, and Ben. Let's give them a round of applause. It's these guys behind the scenes that look us, make us look great. So the OnLive team, thank you so much. Um, it has been an incredibly tough year, but hopefully there is some positivity that's come out of the sessions today, especially the news today. Um, our event's about sharing best practice, and by that way, we can try and recover faster and stronger. Please do support the One Industry, One Voice campaign, oneindustryonevoice.co.uk. That is a whole campaign about positivity for our industry to get confidence back into booking, and I think there's a big campaign starting to roll out next week. So look out for that, and please do support it and share it. 
Christmas party in collaboration with Site on the 16th of December. So if you want to book a table, the lovely Caroline will uh, definitely help you out. And so do see the website for details. And if we don't see you then, I hope to see you live in 2021 at some point. Thank you for joining today and have a great day. Thank you. We really hope you enjoyed those talks and if so, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. To see what the next discussions are, please go to mustbeonit.com and click on Talks in the menu bar. To contact MiceBook, please email us at info at or follow us on Instagram and Twitter.